it will collapse into chaos if we do not manage to transfer the system into a more sensible world order. So our task is not so much putting sand into the existing machine. It is much more comprehensive. It is to shut it down and to install a new system. It is the establishment of a more equal and peaceful world system, a system which produces and consumes in balance with nature. I do not mean some kind of ideal socialist world system here and now. Expectation of such an impossible project will just create frustration. The transformation must be based on existing conditions in the world system, and the steps ahead must be realistic and responsible, not to be confused with reformism, as the aim of each step is getting rid of capitalism, the sooner the better. This is a dangerous and difficult task, as the old machine is risk of breaking down in wars and climate co collapse, and the new system is not a finished, neat, eco-friendly model with e-built equalizer ready to install. We have to develop the new system along the transition process in the coming decades. The end game of capitalism is on. The next decade will be dramatic, characterized by sudden swings and unlikely alliances and violence events. And moreover, we are working on the time pressure. The transition must take place within the next decades. The longer it takes, the more the new system will be some kind of lifeboat socialism instead of a more prosperous system. How do we approach this huge task? We act where we are situated. What else can we do? Our acts are often a response to local conditions as we directly experience them. However, the local situation is not exclusively decided by local factors. We need to take the global perspective. We need a solid analysis of how the world system works to develop a strategy which can generate a praxis which bring us towards our goal. We must not just flow down the stream with a praxis based on our spontaneous feelings. Since the dawn of European colonialism, the world system has been more and more globalized. The past 50 years of neoliberalism has globalized capitalist production itself. If we consider the development of the world system as one coherent process, then this process, according to dialectic materialism, has a principal contradiction, a main contradiction, emerging from the contradictions in the capitalist mode of production and reflected in world politics. This principal contradiction affects regional, national, and local contradictions decisively. However, the interaction between the principal contradictions and the local contradictions is not one-sided. Due to the feedback effect, local contradictions affect the principal contradiction and push to its aspects uh, and change the relation. In studying a, a complex process like the world system, we need to intensify the principal contradiction because it, was, it will tell us where to start and will be a guide for further analysis. The practical purpose of intensifying the contradiction is to affect its aspects in such a way that the contradiction moves in the direction which serves our interest. Therefore, we need to be specific. 
our analysis and strategy must tell us what to do tomorrow, next month, and in the coming years. We cannot act on general ab abstract concepts like proletariat versus bourgeoisie and imperialism versus anti-imperialism. Anti we need to identify the specific movements, organizations, issues, events, and policies which drives the process forward and to, with, on, and to which we can act on. Furthermore, we cannot copy-paste strategies and practices from other places or historical situations. We can learn from them, but we need to accommodate them to our specific place and time. Our analysis must be able to pinpoint the process and the turning points of events which will create a revolutionary situation where we are located. On the organizational level, we must prepare ourselves and get the necessary skills to be able to use this opportunity when it arises. So what is the current principal contradiction and which praxis can move its aspect in the right direction? From the crisis of neoliberalism, a principal contradiction emerged between a declining US hegemony versus the rise of a more multipolar world system headed by China. The United States operates its hegemony from a secure continental home base in alliance with a second imperial core of the European Union, Japan, and Australia. It controls a global network of more than 800 military bases and other global networks of finance, culture, and information. The other aspect is headed by China in an alliance with a, a conglomerate of states united in the ambition to change the imperialist north-south structure which has dominated the world system for the past two centuries. Therefore, the US versus China confrontation is not only about the faith of the two countries, but also about the future world order. At present, US hegemony is under pressure from Russian resistance and Chinese economic competition. As a response, the US strives for a regime change in the two countries to subject them to the interest of Western capital. The war in Ukraine is intended to do the job in Moscow. Peking is uh, going to be pinned down through a network of military alliances, the expansion of NATO's role in Asia, alongside with trade wars, technological restrictions, and pushing to internal conflicts in China, like Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Xinjiang. China, on its side, is developing alternatives to a US-dominated financial and monetary world system. It expands South-South trade uh, relation and closer political cooperation with countries in the global South to create a multipolar world system. So how does this principal contradiction manifest itself on the current major confrontations in the world system? Well, the US-NATO proxy war in Ukraine against Russia can also be seen as an attempt to encircle China few settlements in occupied Palestine for a couple of days has set in motion an avalanche of events. This is an indication of how unstable the present world system is. Like Ukraine, the Palestinian struggle is for the establishment of a state sovereignty. 
but the character is very different. It is not an interstate war. It is a national popular liberation struggle against a colonial settled state. In a geopolitical context, Israel is a clone of the imperialist center placed in the Middle East as a battleship on ground serving U.S. interests. The Hamas attack on Israel is weakening U.S. position in the region by uniting the Arab world and Iran against Israel. In a wider perspective, Western support to the Israeli genocidal response has discredited the West in the eyes of the global South, exposed the still present colonial mindset of civilized barbarians. This, this again does not mean that I support the ideas of Hamas or reactionary Islamic or Arab states. We have little in common. They don't like communists, but the attack of Hamas has pushed the world in a direction of a more multipolar world system and mobilized a new generation of anti-imperialists. That is why Biden and von der Linden and the rest of the cast support the Zelensky regime against Putin and the Israeli settler state against the Palestinian people. It is not that complicated. Let's let's take a look at the principal contradiction in a wider and longer perspective. Anti-imperialism today cannot be the same as it was in the long 60s. History does not repeat itself, it moves ahead. The high revolutionary spirit and the success of the anti-colonial struggle in the late, from the late 40s until the mid 70s were due to a combination of contradictions in the world system. The contradiction between this is the socialist bloc versus the United States and the contradiction between the emerging third world on one side and US neo-colonialism on the other side. This set of intellect, interlinked global contradictions opened up for a wave of anti-imperialist liberation struggle with a socialist perspective. Continue national liberation into a socialist transformation. Capitalism was still a vital mode of production and dominating the world system. However, neoliberalism was not the end of history. The result of outsourcing of production was on one hand the transfer of value from south to north, but on the other hand the development of the productive forces in the global south, which began to break up this old century of polarized development between a rich north and a poor south. In the 70s, the third world demanded a new world order, which came to nothing. Today, the global south are creating a new world order. Instead of centuries of exploitative north-south relation, we see the emergence of a multi, uh, of a multi uh, beneficial south-south investment and trade and political relations. The south are, are going together and are gaining strength. The brisk cooperation between Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa uh, was enlarged in September last year, now uh, compromising 46% of the world population and 36% uh, of the world economy, counterbalancing the G7, which means US, Canada, UK, France, Italy, and Germany, and Japan, 
with only 10% of the world population and 30% of the world economy. And in the future, BRICS will further outweigh the G7. The different uh, BRICS countries pursue strategies to enhance their economic and political position in the world system. In that effort, they are at odds with the current rules of the global economy to get financial resources. The Global South uh, finds that the IMF and the World Bank requires that they open their economies to the interest of the West uh, transnational companies. Furthermore, uh, is the trade of the Global South carried out in dollars the reserves are held in dollars and their debt has to be paid in dollars. They are subjected to a dollar hegemony. Instead, they want to take advantage of the complementarity of each other's production and markets and to build their own financial institutions and trade in their own currency in order to break the unequal North-South rules of the game. This does not mean that BRICS is an anti-capitalist organization, but it's a step in the right direction. It's an organization developing an alternative to the international system of final finance and trade to the North. BRICS members like Russia or Egypt is for sure a repressive regime. India is participating in the military alliance quad together with US, Japan, and Australia directed against China. Iran kills communists. This period of social revolution needs to be understood in the global perspective and identifying the principal contradiction in its interaction with local contradiction is vital. The challenge is to navigate in this sea of interconnected contradictions to move ahead towards socialism. A rigid and idealist perception, uh, perception of national and international struggle obscures the complexity and changeability of the current class struggle uh, and, uh, and interests. With the quote of Marx in mind, there is and have not been any pure socialism in the world. It has not been possible. It's a project under construction and the first step is to cut it loose from the shackles of capitalism, which is U.S. hegemony. China is trying to establish such an anti-hegemonic movement across states in the global south. When the Chinese People's Republic was declared in 49, it adopted the strategy of new democracy. According to Mao, the first step was moving against the international bourgeoisie uh, uh, to clear the path for development uh, with the help of Chinese national capital and by this way deal a blow to imperialism and clear the way for socialism. One can see China's current strategy as this new democracy played out on the global level. Like the national bourgeoisie in China, Modi in uh, India or the Saudi king Saudi imply avoiding critique of reactionary tendency within the BRICS state. On the contrary, we should, should, we should support the struggle against oppression and exploitation in any BRICS country because a broad popular support for a new social world order is an essential condition for its success. We must support the Chinese peasant and workers in their class struggle to move towards socialism 
which implies getting rid of the remaining capitalist elements, national or transnational, such as Foxconn. 40 years of opening up to neoliberalism in China has, it, has had its impact. It's time to change the values and norms. But we also have to defend socialism with Chinese characteristic against US aggression just as the Soviet Union was balancing imperialism made due and made decolonization possible, China balancing the US strengthens the anti-imperialist struggle globally. To avoid the collapse of capitalism into a chaotic abyss, a strong China will be a disease will be of decisive importance for the transformation towards socialism. The U.S. is still the dominant aspect in the principal contradiction, but the Global South is on the offensive encircling the center. While the transformation power of the Third World in the 60s was based on the revolutionary spirit, the attempt of ideological dominance over the economic development, the current transformation power of the Global South is based on a new economic strength. So what is to be done here in the imperialist center? Well, revolutionary change is certainly necessary in our part of the world, since it is our imperial way of living which have originated the Earth's ecological climate crisis. And because our states possess means of mass destructions, which could turn the endgame of capitalism into a catastrophe. Still, the transformation process will uh, commence in the global south, where exploitation and oppression are most urgent and environmental destruction greatest, and hence the anti-systemic uh, movement strongest. We in the global south will not be the driving force in this preliminary phase. However, we should not be passive, bands, uh, passive bystanders waiting for the proletariat in the global south to create a revolutionary situation in our part of the world. We must make sure that the global north is no safe hinterland for imperialism, which means struggle against right-wing nationalism, racism, and most importantly, a struggle against imperialist military intervention. We must support the popular struggle in the global south for equality in terms of race, class, and gender, which means supports for explicit socialist movements, not only in words, but in deeds and in material means. To the extent possible, we should promote international workers' struggle along the global production chains and in climate and anti-war movements. The specific way and means to use in this struggle depend on the type of our organization and the specific political situation and place. It will range from mass movements to action groups, from parliamentarian work, civilian disobedience, and to armed struggle. Anti-imperialists in the global north, like Germany, will be a minority, but an important minority. We will be considered national traitors, but that's better than being a class trader. In our political work, we sometimes feel that we are unimportant and doing too little. However, there are no small struggles. There are separate set of actions and interventions that sometimes converge 
to force a big change. The capitalist system is out of balance. Small actions can produce an avalanche of events, like a butterfly's flap with a wing can produce a storm. The end game will be dramatic and dangerous. We should keep in mind that revolution is not a tea party. Capitalism will not just lay down. If our struggle is more than words, it will have consequences. We should plan and prepare for this both on the personal level and on the organizational level. We have a practice today and we know where we are heading. It is the medium term which we need to focus more on. How will the global development be in the next two to five years? What should our strategy be? How can my organization fit into the analysis of the objective and subjective forces of transition and what support can we deliver? The current lack of confidence in, in socialism is to a great extent due to the disappointment with the experience of socialism in the Soviet Union and China, DDR, Cuba, Venezuela, and you name it. However, it was and is not socialism. It was efforts to build socialism within the sea of a hostile and dominant capitalism. The attempts to build socialism in the past two centuries must be seen as part of a long transition process rather than a row of failures. Attempts which have contributed to the progress of the transition Attempts which have contributed to the progress of the transition by modifying capitalism as well as a learning process for building socialism. The struggle of millions of communists and socialists for the past 200 years, among them Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht, have not been in vain. They have contributed to the process. And to be part of this process, a tiny cogwheel in the machinery of, trans of transformation and give it a little push in the right direction seems to me to be the meaning of life. Not founded in some religion or belief in life after death, but founded in historical materialism and the meaning of life before death to hand over a world more equal and in balance with nature to future generations this is the urgent task in the coming decades. Thank you.